Welcome and thank you for joining us. This is Brig Jones and you are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible so that you can hear the good news of God and be saved if you do not have salvation or if you have already received God's gracious gift of eternal life to encourage you into a deeper knowledge of God, satisfaction, confidence, and faithfulness with Him. In this podcast, we will discuss what is faith, what is true faith, what is true saving faith that yields to the believer all of the merits and the righteousness and salvation of God for eternal life with God in His kingdom forever guaranteed. Again, thank you very much for joining us. In last week's podcast episode, we discussed the gospel of God, the good news of God, the great news that the holy and one and only God of this universe who created all things for his purposes and pleasure, created man in his image, has provided a way for us sinners who have rebelled against God, gone our own way, not done what God wanted us to do, have sinned against God from Adam and Eve through the present moving forward, have provided us a way to be reconciled to God, forgiven of our sin, and saved. And this way, of, of course, is through God himself who entered humanity. God the Son, S-O-N, became a human being 2,000 years ago and lived a perfect life, a perfectly God-pleasing, righteous life. And though he was innocent of any sin, he was crucified for the sins of God's people whereby God poured out all of his wrath on Christ to satisfy the anger caused by our sin. All of that anger that we caused to God was poured out on Christ Jesus, leaving God pleased and satisfied, propitiated. And he died on the cross, and they put his body in a grave. And as he promised, and the word says, he resurrected from the dead, defeating death and its curse, and securing eternal life for all who come to him. And we ask ourselves, what is the way to all these merits of Christ Jesus, the righteousness, forgiveness, salvation, eternal life from God? And we said, as the Bible says, by genuine faith in Christ. I want to read a few passages that continue to make this clear. Looking at Romans chapter 1 again, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by God's grace, justified meaning counted righteous, made righteous by God, by God's grace is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is great news. Ephesians 2. Verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith, which is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one may boast. Even Paul himself in his own 
personal testimony, which you can read in Philippians 9, where he once in his life trusted in his religiosity, his family pedigree, all his good works to be right with God, as if that really does work, which he later found out it doesn't because he was saved by God. In verse 9 of chapter 3 writes, I do not have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or religious works, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God depends on faith. Jesus himself was approached by some Jewish legalists, threatened by his ministry and what he was doing. And they asked Jesus in John 6, verse 28, Okay, tell us right now, sir, what is the work that God requires us to do, basically to be right with him? And Jesus answers, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent, namely him, speaking, Jesus. And Paul and Silas were asked in Philippi during their missionary work by some jailer there that held them for the night, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your family and the rest of the world this gospel is for. This is the good news of God. So what is faith? If faith is a way to righteousness with God, if faith is a way to being saved and have eternal life, what is true faith? And that is what we want to share with you today, doing our best to make it clear what true faith in Jesus Christ actually is, what it does, what it looks like, what it is, and what it is not. Because we know that there is horrible teaching out there that's leading people to believe all kinds of other theories or messages that are not the gospel. And we want you to know the truth so that you can either be more encouraged in your walk in Christ or you can truly have salvation. Because there are a lot of people in this world that literally think that they are right with God and have eternal life and will go to heaven who as of this moment actually will not unless something changes. So what is true faith in Christ that yields eternal life and righteousness and salvation with God forever guaranteed? Number one, true faith in Christ is trust in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. Trust in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. It's just like the story of you guys in the desert that we talked about last time. You're in the desert. Let's say you're in, in, in Sahara Desert. You pick the desert, but you're 10 miles off course. You're lost. You're in day three. You're 10 miles away from camp or any civilization, and you don't have any water. So you're very close to death. How are you going to get out? You cannot survive unless you get water. So here's what happens. People, one of, the, one of the guys in the group, there's like five or six of you, and there's some little kid there or whatever, and he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll say a prayer. I'm going to say a prayer right now that we'll be rehydrated, and I'm asking God to rehydrate us right now, and so we're saved. Now, certainly God can rehydrate and do a miracle like that, but just asking that doesn't mean you're saved. So they keep walking, and guess what? They look 200 yards away, and in the middle of the desert, 
is literally this big neon sign that says water with arrows pointing down to this solar <laughs> refrigerator that apparently has water in it. And someone's looking at it going, we're saved. We are saved. There's water. And the little kid in the group is like, well, not yet. We're not saved. And so you guys go crawling to this deal, running as fast as you can. Your bodies are weak. Your heads are hurting. And someone opens up the refrigerator and boom, a hundred bottles at least of pure drinking water. And someone immediately grabs out of his backpack, a guitar, and starts singing songs. We've got water. Thank you for water. We've got water. Now we're saved. And the little boy's like, well, not yet. And then a guy grabs a bottle. He looks at it, reads the label. The label says, living water. Whoa, we have living water. Purified drinking water. Drink, rehydrate, and live. And there he goes, we've got water. He pulls the label off the bottle. I've got a label representing my salvation. He puts it on his head. Oh, I'm saved on his neck. He's like, ah, and then he takes it and just sticks it to his chest. Puts the label there. I'm saved. And the boy's like, what's wrong with you? Not yet. Someone takes the bottle, opens the cap, dumps it on his head. Oh, it feels so good. He's refreshed. He's refreshed. I'm saved. I'm saved. In the meanwhile, he's eating sand, thinking the combination of the water on his head and the sand that he's eating somehow rehydrates him. And the boy's looking at this guy going, what are you doing? Not yet. Another guy opens the cap, puts the water in his mouth. Oh, it feels so good. Tasty. He swirls it around, enjoys it, and spits it out and does it again and again. And the boy's looking at this guy like, what? what's wrong with you? We're not saved yet. And this little boy, 10 years old, grabs a bottle. <laughs> he doesn't even understand water, doesn't understand how it rehydrates the body, but he opens the bottle. He drinks the water. It rehydrates the, his body. He's begging his friends to do the same. They're like, what are you talking about? They lo- and he is the only one that walks out. By the water refreshment, he walks out and he makes it to camp and is the only one to survive. Again, that is faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus is trust in Christ Jesus alone, like the water. It is faith and trust in Jesus' one-time sacrifice, his finished work on the cross. He said it is finished. It is accomplished. His justification, his righteousness is our righteousness. That's why his name is the Lord is our righteousness, according to Jeremiah 23, verse 6. He is our righteousness. I'm not my righteousness. You're not your righteousness, even if you think that. Christ is the only way to righteousness. And furthermore, God has been propitiated. God is satisfied. This one-time sacrifice of Christ, let me repeat that, this one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago that needs no reenactments, does not need to happen again, does not happen again. This one-time sacrifice has paid for all time for the penalty of sin of God's people. And true faith trusts this and is not trusting in anything else, including our works, as many people do. They trust in their works, Jesus plus works. That's not salvation. Jesus has paid it all. Your work, my work is not needed. One-time sacrifice, your sand in your mouth does not contribute to your rehydration, only water. Here's a great question. 
Here is a great question. If God is propitiated, which he is, over the crucifixion of his son 2,000 years ago, which means that God is pleased, God is satisfied over this sacrifice, why aren't you? You know why not? You know why you're not satisfied and you think that you've got to contribute to this by your good works or someone's trying to tell you that you contribute to Jesus' salvation? It's you plus work is because you do not know the gospel and you do not have faith in Christ. You can believe who he is and dump water on your head and know all the information about water and dump it on your head and eat sand, but that's not true faith in water. And if anyone is trusting in Jesus and what he did, and then your work should perpetuate, contribute, or, or, or make that be successful in the end, it's like eating sand in the desert. True faith does not peel off labels, does not trust in sacraments, does not trust in religious services and activities. All those are fine, but if you're trusting in it, you're not trusting in Christ. True faith, trust in the finished work of Jesus and his good work. You know, unregenerate, not yet faith. Unregenerate, not yet faith always assumes that we work to please God and earn salvation. However, true faith knows that God has worked to please us into salvation. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, not some combination of Jesus plus you. Number two, true faith in Christ is confidence in Christ and his salvation. It's not blind. It's not like I hope so. A lot of people, unfortunately, I've heard this many times. You ask them, do you have eternal life with God? Will you spend eternity with God forever? I hope so. I don't know. Only God knows. You can't really tell. I guess I'll find out at the gates and see if my life makes it. That's not faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is not hope so, wishful thinking. Faith in Christ is no so. The Bible proves it. In fact, the definition of faith written in Hebrews 11, chapter 1 Hebrews verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. True faith is convinced and confident that he or she is saved by Christ alone. John writes that himself in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and following. He says, this is God's testimony. You want to know God's testimony? Here it is. God gave us eternal life, living forever, not in and out, in and out, life, death, life, death, as some people think, unfortunately, eternal life guaranteed. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life forever. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Well, there's good news. There's still hope for some of you listeners to come to true faith in Christ and really have life. John continues, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have life. You may know. It's confidence. Certainly there's struggles. There's doubts. You wonder. Sometimes life is so hard. You almost wonder, like, God, do you really care? 
You may sin, of course. We're not perfect yet. We're still growing. God's working on us. But faith in Christ is confidence in the salvation and eternal life that Jesus has accomplished and Jesus has provided. Someone asks, well, why is it so confident? It almost sounds arrogant. Some people think that confidence in your salvation is arrogance. And the reason they think that is because they, they presume that you're thinking that you've worked good enough and you're holy in and of yourself and God really likes you, but they're not yet of that status. That's not what the true believer is saying. He knows that Christ accomplished it all. We trust that Christ did it, and we have his righteousness, and we're right with God. And the confidence comes by God's grace because true faith, point number three, knows Christ. True faith in Christ is knowing Christ. That word knowing is a very significant word. In the Bible, it refers in the Old Testament as the sexual union between a husband and a wife. In the New Testament, it does the same, but it mostly refers to the spiritual communion between God and his true believers. God is not some ambiguous spiritual force of nothingness out there that can't be known, as some people think, and you hope you're worshiping the right thing. He's personal. He's intimate. He's proactive. Jesus says it. I know my believers. I know my followers, my sheep, and they know me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. John 10. My Father gave them to me. I know my sheep like I know the Father, and the Father knows me. That's some intimate knowledge between the Trinity. Now, certainly, you don't know Christ perfectly. You don't have a PhD in who he is and all the things about him, but you, this relationship will grow and grow, and God will mature it. And, and, and you're confident because you know Jesus, who he is and what he did, and so you have confidence in what he provides. So the true faith knows that we're saved, knows that you have eternal life, knows you're reconciled to God, knows that you're born again, knows that you're a new creation, know that God's given you spiritual gift, knows that you get to go out and teach the gospel, not just sell works and sacraments and things like that or whatever else or some or a little at, idol or statue. You know the living God. You're intimate with him. He lives in you. He literally lives. That's how intimate Christ is. He lives in the believer. God lives in the believer. He's taken possession of his people. Literally, you're possessed by God. That's a good thing. Paul says, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Not yet faith, like the guys in the desert who didn't make it, needs more than just Christ. Because it does not know Christ, so it thinks that they must contribute to the perfect righteousness of Jesus as if that was even possible. True faith knows Jesus, his person, his works, his merits, his security, his power, etc. Point number four, faith in Christ is forward moving. It's living. The righteous shall live by faith, Paul writes, Romans 1, 17. It's not a one-time event as a person putting the water in their mouth and spitting it out. It's a lifelong activity. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, Proverbs 3. 
Look at the people in the Bible, the men and women who knew God and trusted him. It's not a one-time event. They worked and lived by faith their whole life. How difficult was it, Noah, to actually build that boat? Life is not easy for the believer, especially. And God will call us to do things that are beyond our natural little abilities to do. Paul's life, Peter's life, John's life, Jesus' life required faith and God's power. Not yet faith spits out the water. True faith is living and moves forward. And as a result of true faith living and moving forward, it does point number five. Faith in Christ does works for Christ. (laughs) Works in Christ do not contribute to our salvation as so many people teach, and you may even be deceptively believing. Works in Christ are a result of our salvation. This is exactly what James is writing about in chapter 2, which people distort to sell this works-based righteousness. This is not true. James is saying, if you have faith, then you will have works. You cannot have faith and not have works. Faith without works is dead. True faith yields good works. That's what a believer does. He's a disciple of Jesus. He follows Jesus and does what Jesus says. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Let the world see your truth. Preach the gospel. Paul writes to his friend Titus that Jesus has purified us of his own possession to make zealous of people to do his good works. Good works are a response to the good news and power of God in the believer the new created heart, the spirit working in them. You can't not do good works. Do you do them perfectly? No. Do you ever fail? Sure. I have many times. Do you ever sin? Yes, unfortunately. But you're growing and maturing. You're not separated from God when you sin again, as some people say. God is not angry with the believer when he sins, like you're kicked out of the family, so you got to do religious work to get back in there. (laughs) You're in the family of God. You're redeemed. You're saved. You're reconciled. Case closed. And our good works are a result of true faith in Jesus. Praise the Lord. He calls his people to be ambassadors for him, to spread the good news and help people believe and grow in Christ as we wait our redemption. Please do not believe that your good works contribute to Jesus' merit. His merit is perfect. His work is perfect. And God is pleased. Be pleased in the pleasure of God and the salvation of Christ Jesus in true faith. And point number six is that true faith in Christ will persevere to the end. Endures to the end. That's what Jesus says. The one who endures to the end will be saved and enter the kingdom of heaven. And the good news is that that power for you to persevere is not given to you to try to hold on to it. It is Christ is holding you. His Father's will is that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in Him will have everlasting life, and that person will be raised on the last day and enter the kingdom of heaven. 
However, faith in Christ is not a one-time deal. There is perseverance and work in it as you move along. And this is what we have to reveal quickly. There is a very sad, unfortunate, misleading teaching out there which tells people that to be saved, all you have to do is say a prayer. It's kind of like a one and done thing. Like it doesn't really matter what happens to your life and you can kind of walk away from Christ and not really trust him. But if you've said the prayer, then you're saved. So trust in your prayer. Literally, people say, if you've said this prayer, a prayer where you go, God, I know I'm a sinner and I, uh, I ask for your forgiveness and invite Jesus in my heart, for example, you're saved 100%. Welcome to the family of God. You know what Jesus says about that? And the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven except the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do not believe that you're saved because you've said a prayer. That's taken out of Romans 10, verse 9, where Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, true, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, true. But that believing from the heart is deeper than just a prayer. Confessing is not just a one-time prayer. It's a life, and it involves faith and obedience if you look at the chapter. I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm trying to be truthful here because many, many, read, read Matthew 7, 21 through 23. You don't want to be in that camp. Knowing this, that your faith will persevere. God will make it persevere. You will be tested. There's no doubt about it. God will test you and strengthen your faith. He'll also test the faith of those who don't have real faith, not yet faith, and they'll fall away. They'll stay trusting in their works or they'll lose interest in Christ. But true faith will persevere. And here's what's great news. True faith will persevere to the end of salvation, which is the glory of God. Because of the work of Christ Jesus and your faith in Christ Jesus, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. And you will be in glory and you will see God and be with God and his treasures forever in perfection. The good news of God. Some may say, well, that's impossible. This faith just seems is too impossible for me to believe. Well, it is. Because here's what we will talk about next week. True faith is a loving, gracious gift of God. This kind of faith, saving faith, true faith is a gift from God. It's not from ourselves. You can't generate it. It's a gift from God. And I'll end with this. What should we do if we don't believe in Christ? Well, repent and believe in Christ. If you can't do that, ask God to open your heart. Ask God to open your heart and give you the truth. Ask God to give you grace. Ask God to forgive you. Tell God the truth. Tell him you don't know the truth. You trust in yourself. You're a sinner, but you don't know what to do. Save me. Please save me. Like the tax collector, Luke 18, have mercy on me. And read the Bible. Read the Bible. Please come to faith in Christ. Well, Thank you very much for listening. We look forward to being with you next week. We'll talk about the gift of faith and how you must be born again and what that means. And we look forward to that. Have a great week and spread the word.